Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. As you know, Google is a very large company with a vast array of products and services. This week, we'll be talking about the improvements that have been made in terms of accessibility to the visually impaired for many of these products. We'll speak with Eve Anderson, Director of Accessibility Engineering at Google, about what's new in the new Lookout app and Google Docs, Android Operating System, and many more. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Eve Anderson. We last spoke four and a half years ago, and since then, Google has been creating a whole bunch of new products and adding new accessibility features to our product. So would love it if you give them a try. And as with many other sources of technology, if you checked it out five years ago and you didn't find anything to your liking, it's worth checking it out again because things have probably changed. And in this case, there's been a lot of improvements going on in accessibility at Google. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2019 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria are at www.hadley.edu nvc. And if you would like more information about having a promotional item for your organization or service appear in the audio portion of Eyes on Success, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Let's start by meeting Eve and learning about Google's commitment to accessibility. Hi, my name is Eve Anderson. I'm Director of Accessibility Engineering at Google. And you've been with us before a few years ago. We're going to update people on some of the new initiatives in terms of accessibility, particularly for the visually impaired today. But describe for us a little bit about the accessibility group and how it interacts with the rest of Google. So I lead what's called the Central Accessibility Org within Google, and we're, we're a cross-functional team. We have software engineers, user experience researchers and designers, program managers, and a testing team. And we work with all of the rest of Google to help make our products accessible. We have kind of a hub and spoke model where people within the product teams work on the accessibility of their own products, but then we provide things that are helpful for all of Google, such as educational programs, awareness, automatic testing tools, we have our QA team, we help recruit users for user studies. So all of these things that are common across Google where we can help all product teams we work on. And when you say accessibility, you're talking about people with all sorts of different abilities, not just visual impairments. Exactly. So we are thinking about a combination of different types of physical impairments as well as cognitive impairments. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Success.
This week's focus topic is Google Lookout, the Google Disability Help Desk, and many other initiatives from Google to improve accessibility of their products. So as you mentioned in the introduction, Eve, there's a lot going on at Google, and there's it's a really big company, of course, with lots of applications and projects going on. So we wanted to highlight some of those today, but I wanted to start out with your new help desk, which might be very useful to people no matter what application they're involved in. Can you talk a little about that? Yes, this is a free disability support help desk. It is for any user who wants help with any of our products, especially users who use assistive technologies, of course. That's why we we created it. And so users can get in touch with us by email, by chat, by telephone, and now we have a new Be My Eyes interface. So you can allow the support agents to see what's in front of you. And for people who may not be familiar with that, Be My Eyes is an iOS app where you actually can get some volunteer human assistance to help you with some task. And in this case, the human assistance is from Google. Exactly. They are people hired by Google to provide support for Google products. Well, that has to be very useful for people. Yeah. So let's talk about some of what else is new at Google. One of the things you wanted to highlight was the Google Assistant and how useful that can be for people who are visually impaired. I'm so excited about the Google Assistant. It's something that Google has been working on for many years, and it's becoming more and more integrated into people's daily lives. So the Google Assistant is software that can be accessed through your iOS phone and Android phone, through the Google Home, and through a whole bunch of third-party devices as well. And it has over one million different actions. So that includes things like, of course, being able to do a Google search, but also playing music, making phone calls turning on and off smart home devices. I think the latter of those is actually really interesting for people with disabilities who might find it difficult sometimes to interact with some of the physical devices in the home. And so this is just a really easy way to interact with them using just your voice. Now, another new initiative, I don't know if it's still in beta or not, is your lookout application. Can you talk a little about that and how that one is designed specifically for people who are visually impaired? Yeah. So Lookout launched publicly, not in beta, on March 12th, so very recently. It is a free app that runs on Android. And the goal of Lookout is to provide users who are blind or who have a visual impairment a way to hear relevant visual information nearby. So to hear, for example, about text in your environment or objects or whether there are people around you. And so uh, it was designed with a, a few different things in mind. We assume that users really want to hear things that are relevant, of course, and to hear relative locations of things. So, for example, a person at 12 o'clock will tell you there's someone right in front of you. And we wanted there to be hands-free options to use it, fast and easy controls, ways to pause and resume. And we tried to be really careful about the amount of information that's presented because it's it's a continuous stream of information when it's not paused. 
So we didn't want users to have to pick up and aim the camera or know that there's something interesting in their environment. And we also didn't want to assume that users have an internet connection all the time as well. And so it works when it's offline too. Yeah, so when I was reading about this, it sounds like it's a very different paradigm. Most of these applications designed for the blind to help them with their environment and what's around them and do OCR, you have to take some action like tap a button or tell the application to do a particular function. In this case, you're recommending that people hang the phone around their neck and the phone is just seeing what the person would be seeing otherwise as they walk around a room or environment and letting them know what they think is important to them. Yeah, it's meant to be more of a passive experience. And that presents some really interesting technical challenges for us to try to give the right amount of information. But you're right, somebody could hang it from a lanyard, put it in a shirt pocket, and the camera will be picking things up. You might have an earbud in your ear or a Bluetooth headset. And one thing we implemented for it was physical controls, by which I mean we don't think you want to have to take the phone out of your pocket or your lanyard to be able to interact with it. So we created controls such as if you put your hand in front of the camera, that will pause look out so it'll stop speaking to you. And if you knock on it on the outside of, of your phone, then it will turn it back on. Oh, how nice. That's very creative. Thank you. What operating systems does it work with? Right now, it runs on Android devices, specifically on the Pixel devices. The Pixel are some of the newest Android phones made by Google. And the reason that the first version was released on Pixel was that we really wanted to be able to do the on-device computer vision. And that is something that requires there to be AI models on the phone itself. Last time we talked with you, Google was really focusing on making many of their products more accessible to the visually impaired, particularly as some of these technologies were changing. And one of the things we talked about was Google Docs last time. Tell us what's new with Google Docs and how accessible that is for someone who's visually impaired using a screen reader. Google Docs is improving all the time. They have a fairly large team working on accessibility in Google Docs. And when I say Google Docs, I'm really referring to the entire productivity suite of Docs, Sheets, and Slides. So that's documents, spreadsheets, and slides. And one of the biggest efforts over the past few years has been improving Braille support. And the reason that we decided to focus so much on that even though the number of Braille users in the United States is smaller than the number of spoken output users, is that Braille is so important in educational settings for students who are learning to spell and to use punctuation correctly. And we got a lot of feedback from partners and from users that this was a really important area of focus. So we doubled down on that and made improvements across our entire suite on that. Yeah, we've spoken with many blind professionals who talk about the importance of Braille in terms of formatting and spelling, that you just don't catch those things with a screen reader in general. And if you want to 
you know, compete with your cited peers, you want your documents to look nice and spelling be correct. And you don't want those little mistakes to creep in. Exactly. There are also a few other features that I think are worth pointing out. One is uh, in Docs, we implemented export to EPUB. So you can just select file, download as, and EPUB publication. Oh, neat. We also created a new accessibility menu, and it has a whole bunch of options that are particularly interesting to users of assistive technologies. For example, you can ask it to speak a selection. You can ask it to speak the formatting of a selection. You can use it to traverse objects like comments or footnotes or graphics, etc. And there's also a search the menus feature so that you don't have to try to remember what's in the menus. You can just search for commands. Oh, wow. So you've added a whole lot of accessibility help in this application. Yeah, um, I have a, a favorite thing that was added to Google Sheets a couple of years ago, and that's graph verbalization. And I love this because I'm a nerd and I love graphs. And one of the reasons I love graphs is that they help you to understand trends and relationships between things a lot more than looking at a table of numbers would allow you to. And so this is automatically using AI understanding shapes of the graphs and explaining to the user what are the trends that are seen or what are the relationships between different things or when are there outliers. If you imagine describing to a friend over the phone what are the interesting points in a graph, this would explain it. Neat. Can you give us an example of a description of a graph? This is a description about a real line graph that is found in Google Sheets. So the description is as follows. Line chart of teams, matches, and goals scored that goes from 1930 to 2014. Teams and matches vary together in a trend that increases until 2014. Goals scored always has the highest values. Teams always has the lowest values. And then the description goes on to describe some of the actual data points, the maximums and the minimums, and, and whether things increase linearly. It's very easy for humans to take in visual data from graphs like that. And it's nice that you made some accommodations for people who can't see the graphs to get that same information in an overview fashion. And I must say, I've been to an awful lot of technical presentations where the speaker is trying to describe the data, and it wasn't as clear as that. Oh, good. I mean, bad. <laughs> I think those presentations were lacking. <laughs> When using Google Docs from within the Chrome browser, is it necessary to use the ChromeVox screen reader? In fact, I would say that the majority of our users probably are not using ChromeVox. So uh, we support different operating systems and different screen readers. A lot of our users use JAWS and NVDA, and of course, on Mac, you're using VoiceOver. ChromeVox is what you'd be using if you're using the Chrome OS operating system, which is what Chromebooks use. And that's the next thing we wanted to talk about because you have some new things to talk about in the Chrome operating system, don't you? Yeah, we do have some new features there. I think since we last spoke a few years ago, we launched Select to Speak. 
So this is something that's useful for people with low vision or people with dyslexia, where you can select an area of the screen and it will read out the words to the user. We also added support for new Braille displays and Bluetooth Braille display support. We have a whole bunch of new Google Voices, so you don't have to go with the old default if that's not the one you like. I think we have over 30 new Google Voices. For users who are low vision, we've continued to make improvements to magnification. We have high contrast mode. I understand you also have some new tools for developers for determining how accessible their apps are. For developers, we have uh, new options for logging speech output. So it's easier for a software engineer to debug why their website might not be working as well as they would like for a screen reader user. Oh, that can be very useful. You know, I often, when I'm using a new program or a website, I'm not shy about contacting the developer or the designer of the website to say, you know, look, this is not accessible for people using a screen reader, and here's why. If you use the screen reader, you would know. But, of course, they don't often have a screen reader to test with. So it's nice to be able to get some feedback like that that they can actually use in fixing the problems. Yeah, using a screen reader can be a little bit intimidating for developers and also If a screen reader is only providing spoken output, it's hard for developers to log and reproduce the bugs. And so by creating this logged speech output, it gives a record of what was spoken, and that makes it a lot easier for developers to do testing and development. And of course, we also have developer tools that help developers with accessibility built into the Chrome browser. So web developers who use those tools already can just also look at the accessibility information that the same tool provides in order to make their website more accessible. Nice. So that helps everybody. Yeah. And we also have a new feature coming out very soon, which is automatic image description. Because as you know, developers don't always create alt tags for their images. We know that. (laughs) This should help at working around some of these issues. And those image descriptions continue to get better and better on the web, and more and more developers are starting to provide that. It's just nice. Yeah. So I assume there's also new things going on in accessibility in the Android world that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, there are. So in Android, we also implemented Select to Speak, similar to the Chrome OS feature. We continue to do work to improve TalkBack, which is our screen reader, as well as BrailleBack, which is the software that allows Android to work with refreshable Braille displays. So one new TalkBack feature, for example, allows you to search your screen. I think a lot of the TalkBack improvements over the last few years have also been around usability and just making it more responsive and easy to use. In BrailleBack, we added a few things, including grade two mode for Braille tables. Um, You can switch between grade one and grade two input. You can turn word wrapping on or off, and there's support for new Braille displays. Well, that's great to see accessibility of all of these devices continue to improve, and they're really pretty good these days compared to where they started out years ago, huh? Yeah, there was definitely a ways to go a few years ago. 
Another thing that we did, which I really like, is that we incorporated vision settings into the setup process for Android. Because some people just don't know that TalkBack is there, or they don't know that various settings that help people with other vision impairments are there. And so now it's right there front and center as you're setting up your device. That's great. So it's easy to find. Yeah, it is. Better yet, it's hard to miss. A lot of people don't consider themselves to have a visual impairment, but if they're setting up their phone for the first time and it says, what size print do you want? They don't even have to admit they have a visual impairment. They can just pick the size print that's most comfortable for them. And so it makes it easier for more people to use the accessibility tools that you've put in. Exactly. So, Eve, so far everything you've told us has been useful and productive and fairly serious. What does Google have for people who want to have fun? A lot of people like to play video games. And we have an app on Android called Play Games that highlights various games created by third-party developers, not by Google. And we have now created a blind-friendly filter in the Play Games app so that people who are blind can now quickly identify games designed with accessibility in mind. Oh, what fun. Is there anything else we missed? I mean, you've talked about lots and lots of stuff. Well, for Android specifically, the experience that a user has is, of course, partially based on how good the operating system is with accessibility, but just as much with how good the third-party apps are. And so one of the things we've been working on a lot over the last few years is tools for developers. We launched an app called Scanner. It's a free app. And it allows QA people who might not even have a technical background to be able to test for common accessibility errors in an app so that they can correct them. We also created for developers the Android Accessibility Test Framework so that developers can integrate accessibility tests right into their code. And we just did something else that I am really excited about, which is we integrated accessibility into the Google Play pre-launch report. Now, this is a report that developers see when they upload their app to the Google Play Store. And they don't ask for Google to run the tests, but we just do it automatically. And so we'll analyze things like crashes and performance and security. And we just added accessibility. And what's exciting about that is that the developer doesn't have to initiate this. So a developer who wasn't even thinking about accessibility, they're now going to get a report on all of these issues that we find so that now this brings awareness to a whole new group of developers. Oh, that has to help a tremendous amount because, as you say, developers aren't always aware of these issues. And once they're aware of them, that's when the process starts to become better. Exactly. It's kind of a launching pad for getting them even more excited about developing with accessibility in mind. We actually know several visually impaired people who are employees at Google, and so we know you have some. Do you have specific policies regarding bringing disabled people into the company? We love to have people with disabilities join us here at Google. In fact, we've created a candidate accommodations team 
to make it especially seamless for people to go through the interview process. We'll provide whatever the candidate needs, whether it's a sign language interpreter or their service animals are welcome to join. If somebody needs a wheelchair accessible hotel, we'll get that for them. And probably most importantly is that we'll give a candidate the option to use alternative interview formats. If some people are afraid that they'll be asked in an interview to write code on a whiteboard, we can provide other ways to do things that shouldn't be a deterrent. And if you have to type things into a document or some other way of communicating how you would write code or do other things if you're applying for a different type of position, then you can. So we don't want to pass up any good programmers or other roles too. But I want to encourage people to apply even if the job description itself doesn't match the word accessibility for two reasons. One is that our public facing site doesn't necessarily list every job that's available. And secondly, of course, most people with disabilities who work at Google are not working on accessibility. And I want people with disabilities to feel empowered to apply for anything that's of interest. We have people in all kinds of roles across the company with disabilities. What about opportunities for interns, for people who are in the process of getting a degree? We do have intern positions as well. Mostly we bring in summer interns, but we have had interns at other seasons as well, so there is flexibility. But note that the internship application deadlines are really early. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about any of Google's accessibility initiatives that we spoke about earlier. So let's talk about how people can find out more about the many topics we talked about. First of all, let's start out with the Disability Help Desk, because I figure that's the main place for getting information. Where would people go to find out about that? You can go to google.com slash accessibility to get access to the Help Desk and to all kinds of information. We have an accessibility blog on there, so we make new product announcements. It's also how we get in touch with our users for other things. For example, we have a trusted tester program where people sign up to get early access to some of our products and to give feedback on the products. And so that sign up is also part of our accessibility blog. And we also have a Twitter handle at Google Access. And so you can also follow that for updates and announcements. So there's lots of ways to find out about these Google products and how they might be used by a person with a disability. Absolutely. And we went on to ask about all of the different products that she discussed earlier. And the answer was to get more information, go to www.google.com accessibility for every one of them. And before we leave, I also wanted to ask where people would find out more about employment opportunities at Google. You can learn all about what jobs are available at careers.google.com. And as usual, all of that information will be in our show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
That's it for show number 1918. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be speaking with Derek Reamer, who is a new hire at Google as a software engineer. And we will be talking to him about his experiences growing up and his education and training from being a blind infant all the way through public school, university, and now and his first job. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.